Lord, thank you for the sufficiency of your word. Again, that there is uh, every, every matter that relates to sin and righteousness you have addressed and you have shown us uh, not just what it is on the surface, but what the heart of it is. And we thank you for the work of your son, Jesus, and that the grace we have in him is sufficient for us to walk in uh, every form of righteousness that your word calls us to. Thank you for the power of your spirit that enables us to, to do this. God, I pray that you would use this time to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> flattery. Why? Why a session on flattery? First, it is a matter of righteousness that God saw fit to address in his word. And, and really, that, that should be enough for us to be convinced it's a topic worth giving some time to. But um, to give some more specifics about why we should spend some time thinking about this topic. When we look at what the word says about it, we learn that this is uh, not just a respectable sin, a tip of the hat to Jerry Bridges, who wrote a book by that name, Respectable Sins. Flattery is not just a respectable sin, that's just part of Southern hospitality and culture, neither is it a harmless sin that doesn't hurt others. It can be something that's very... Serious. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 12. Psalm 12. And as you're turning to Psalm 12, uh, listen to to these verses from Proverbs that I'll read you that just prove this is, is not harmless. Proverbs 26, 28 says, A flattering mouth works ruin. Proverbs 29.5 says, A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. And that's not spreading a net to catch him if he falls. It's, it's to catch him to make sure he does fall. Okay, now, now look at Psalm 12, verse 1. It says, Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone. For the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Now, I want you to notice what is what is going to be the evidence that uh, this psalm brings forth to prove that, that the faithful have vanished from among humanity. Here's the proof. Verse two, everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart. They speak. Verse three, may the Lord cut off all flattering lips. Now flip back to Psalm five. Turn back to Psalm five. Uh, in, in the parts of Psalm 5, I'll read to you, David is describing his enemies. And in Psalm 5, verse 5, he says, 5, 5, The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. So this is intense stuff here. Now look down at verse 9, further describing these enemies. Verse 9, my enemies, there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. And you think, wow, does, does that last line really belong with all that serious stuff that came before? And verse 10, make them bear their guilt, O God. Uh, Job, 
you know, the book of Job part, uh, Job, uh, is essentially arguing for his innocence, not his sinlessness, but his innocence in the sense that his sin is not the reason for this particular suffering he's going through. And in Job 32, 22, he says, I do not know how to flatter else. My maker would soon take me away. Now further, why, why a session on flattery? Well, th- this does relate to other counseling issues. And, and I'm, I'm going to wait actually to explain that until once we start talking about what the issue actually is. And, and then I think you'll be able to understand that better. Next and lastly, why a session on flattery? Because it can be a strong temptation for those who are ministering to others. Like, I don't know, counselors. When Paul explains and defends his ministry to the Thessalonians, he says in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 5, we never came with words of flattery, as you know. And why does he say that? It's because some who come ministering do come with words of flattery. And some who minister are tempted to do that because that's what some who are ministered to want. Isaiah 30 talks about people of Israel who are rebellious and it says they are unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord. And so they, they tell the people who were supposed to give them the instruction of the Lord. They, they tell their prophets. We could say they tell their preachers, their teachers, their counselors. They say to them, speak to us smooth things. And, and the word smooth there, that, that's the Hebrew word that's also translated flattery. So a rebellious heart doesn't want the word of God. It prefers flattery. And so counseling a heart that's in that place will occasion temptations to flatter, to, to give people what they prefer. All right, let's start to define this now. What is flattery, biblically speaking? Well, some have called flattery the flip side of slander. And they say to explain that, and I'll say this twice, um, slander is saying something behind someone's back that you wouldn't say to their face. Flattery is saying something to someone's face that you wouldn't say behind their back. See that? Now, I would love to give credit to, to whoever came up with that. It wasn't me, but I've heard a few people say that, so I don't even know who to credit. All right, but I will say it again. Slander is saying something behind someone's back that you wouldn't say to their face. Flattery is saying something to someone's face that you wouldn't say behind their back. Now, ultimately, as we look in the Bible, we find flattery is a form of dishonesty. Dishonesty. That's how the scripture especially presents the issue. In the word we see, flattery is connected with lying or deceiving. That's the next blank. Lying or deceiving. So uh, if you're still in Psalm 5, if that's open on your table, if you look down at verse 9 again, it says, verse 9 of Psalm 5, there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. See, uh, remember Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so this verse is talking about people whose heart or their inmost self is destruction. And and their inmost self is 
is death, basically. That's why their throat is an open grave. You can see down into death. All right, what kind of words come up out of a heart that is full of spiritual death and destruction? Well, the kind of words that come out are untrue words. There's no truth in their mouth, and that includes flattery. Uh, Proverbs 26, 28 makes this connection as well. Very clear. Listen to this parallelism in the verse. A lying tongue hates its victims and a flattering mouth works ruin. Romans 16, 18 proves the same. It, It talks about a kind of people Christians need to avoid. People who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine we've been taught. But, but it says, Romans 16, 18, such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. And, and in 1 Thessalonians 2, right before Paul said, we never came with words of flattery. A couple of verses before in 1 Thessalonians 2, 3, he says, our appeal does not spring from any attempt to deceive. You've got to get this. It, it is a consistent judgment of scripture that flattery is a form of lying and, and deceiving. Now, we also see in scripture, and, and this is related, that flattery is connected with insincerity. Insincerity or double-mindedness. Or double-heartedness, having a double heart. So, all right, in this sense, the words of flattery someone speaks might actually be true words in and of themselves. But they're still dishonest in the sense that, that they are not sincere words of praise or encouragement or affirmation. So, so they're dishonest in that the person saying the flattering words, they might really think that what they're saying is true, but the real intent of, of his heart for using those words is not to praise, but, but to manipulate the other person somehow with words of praise, to, to get something else from them, inauthentic words of praise. Right, so, so if you, uh, flattering words could be something like, well, you have a really beautiful family. Uh, okay. Don't judge the motives of people's heart if someone says that to you, you know, say thank you and be charitable, receive it as the, this is godly encouragement. But just for hypothetically speaking, someone could with words of flattery saying, you have a really beautiful family and those be true words and they really believe it. But if they're saying those things from a heart that has a purpose other than encouragement and praise and just blessing the other purpose other person by saying those things then 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 there's a dishonesty a disconnect between the the sincerity of the words and the intent of the heart and then that also is a kind of dishonesty that's flattery here's a here's a good example of that psalm 55 psalm 55 20 and 21 Psalm 55:20 says, "My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant." Now listen to this, verse 21. His speech was smooth. Again, the Hebrew word translated flattery elsewhere. His speech was smooth as butter. Yet war was in his heart. 
His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Again, even even if the content of the words was true, perhaps, if if they're not sincerely spoken as from a heart that that wants to bless, if, if it's from a heart that's in a different place, that wants to make war, that's also what the Bible calls flattery. And again, consider Proverbs 29.5. Flattery spreads a net for the feet. It, it, it's speaking words of praise that, that's a setup for something. That the intent of the praise is dishonest, even if the words are technically believed by the speaker. Okay, so th- those are the two big pillars for understanding what flattery is in the Bible. W- words of praise that are lies or words of praise that are insincere, the, the intent you have in speaking them, or words of praise that deceive, or words of praise that come from a double heart. Your, your heart is not in the place that your mouth is in when you say these things. All right, so those are the two pillars that you've got to get to understand the issue of flattery. So any questions about that before we go on? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So for, yeah. So if um, right. So so let's say if I, let's say if politicians are easy to pick on, but let's say I'm a politician, and I and I say, um, um, I say you have a wedding ring. Do you, do you have children? Yes. I see you with your children, and I say you have a beautiful family. Really, that this such a nice looking family. If I really believe your family is beautiful and nice looking, okay, that's true. But if the intent of my heart is not to bless you, but is to use those words of praise to get you to like me and do something for me and give your vote to me or donate your time to me, that, that, yeah, manipulating. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's insincere praise, even if, right. Yeah. That's a good question. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's insightful. The word manipulation will come up later in the notes. That's good. Okay, so now, now that we know what we're talking about, now you can see maybe why many counseling cases require helping people turn from dishonesty. And repenting from lying requires repenting from all forms of it, including flattery. Dishonesty is a sin that grows in tandem with other sins. Uh, the longer you counsel, the more you'll see this. The, the kinds of things people come to counseling for are the kinds of things that people want to cover up. They lie about it. And in some, in some ways, that's p- maybe why things got so bad is because they, they were lying about what they were doing. They hide. They've been deceiving others about what they're doing or thinking. And so because that's true, whenever we help people retent, repent of these various sin patterns... Helping someone repent of dishonesty is very often something that needs to happen. Uh, You help someone repent of pornography. Part of that is repenting of dishonesty. You need to tell the truth to your spouse. You need to walk in the light. Now, sometimes people develop patterns of dishonesty that are so deep, so wide-ranging, so destructive... That, that you need to, to give special attention to putting off lying. Not just as like a side dish of the main issue you're addressing, but as the main issue that you are 
addressing. And, you know, counseling someone for lying. And, and doing that, you, you need to exhort them to put away lying more than just, more than just don't tell bold-faced lies. But, but also to turn from dishonesty even in more subtle ways and forms too. And lying can worm its way into all kinds of different speech. And, and one of those is flattery. And I've, I've seen the need to do that more than once in my own counseling ministry. That's why I thought to have a session on this, that people who have big problems of lying, they're habitual liars, they, they will probably have a problem with flattery that is destructive, that needs to be addressed by someone at some point. Uh, and just apply this principle just to counseling generally, to, to repent. Um, all, all sin is interconnected. To repent of sin, you have to at least aim to repent comprehensively. Right? You, if someone's trying to repent of lust, you can't just repent of the most egregious violations of thou shall not lust and keep and plan to keep the lesser violations of it. It won't work. To repent of lying, you, you need to try and repent comprehensively, including of, of this issue. All right, one final point, building an understanding of what the Bible says about flattery before we move on how to counsel it. In addition to flattering others, the Bible says people can flatter themselves. In the sense of deceiving themselves. And the Bible even says people can flatter God. In, in the sense of insincerity. So the first idea, first there, people can flatter themselves. They can deceive themselves. They can tell themselves, you know, encouraging words that aren't true. So, well, for all kinds of reasons. One of which would be so they don't have to feel bad about themselves or, or repent. Self-flattery. I think that idea is many places in the Bible, but there's one place that actually uses the language of flattery to describe self-deception like that. It's Psalm 36. Maybe you're still in the Psalms. Psalm 55, go uh, back 20. Psalm 36. Verse 1 says, Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flatters himself in his own eyes so that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. Isn't that an amazing verse? Now, this other idea, someone might even flatter God, that, that's a really I mean, evocative phrase. It, it describes those who might say the right things to God, but, but the intent of their heart for saying those things is not, is not true to their words. Now, it's not deceiving God. That can't be done. But, but it's insincerity, it's double-heartedness in approaching God. Uh, insincere prayer or praise at some level. Now again, we see that issue addressed in the Bible, but there's uh, several places. There's one place in the Bible that describes it as flattery, and that's Psalm 78. Psalm 78. In Psalm 78, 34, I'll, I'll begin there. To give a little run up. 7834, it says, When the Lord killed them, when he brought his judgment on his people, they sought him. They repented and sought God earnestly. They remembered that God was their rock, the most high, their redeemer. Well, this is great. Uh, except it wasn't. Verse 36, but they flattered him with their mouths. They lied to him with their tongues. 
when, when they approached him in repentance and praised. Their heart was not steadfast toward him. They were not faithful to his, to his covenant. So they brought the right words of repentance, uh, the right words of praise, but their heart was not in the right place. And, and what, what do we call double-hearted words of praise? One word we use is flattery. The same idea without the word, uh, one other place you can find it, Isaiah 29, 13. Jesus also quotes this in Matthew 15, where he, he says that um, these people draw near with their mouth, honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me. So flattery in the usual way that we use the word, in, in the way that I'm going to keep talking about it here, in, in this session, it involves what we say to other people. We don't usually use the term to describe the way that we talk to ourselves or the way that we talk to God. But uh, perhaps that's why it can be, you know, uh, uh, helpfully clarifying and shaking and powerful word to apply to those situations when, when appropriate to help people see with clearer eyes what, what's really happening. Okay, but now let, let's return to, to the idea of flattery in the normal sense, the dishonesty of flattering other people. Uh, let's consider what the Bible says about the heart of the matter. So root sins that feed flattery. Root sins that feed flattery. Here's the first, self-seeking. Self-seeking. Misleading or manipulating people for some kind of selfish gain. Now, when I say selfish gain... That's not necessarily, you know, money bags. Uh, that in any benefit to self, attention, praise, influence, loyalty, gifts, physical intimacy, what, what, whatever. Maybe cash. I don't know, but but some kind of self-seeking. First uh, Thessalonians two is especially clear about this when Paul says, "We never came with words of flattery," as you know. Next, he says, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Think about this relation of flattery and greed. Why might a minister come with words of flattery? Because greed is in their heart. And that, that's revealing. So, so in flattery, we use kind words chasing some kind of self-interest. The building up of the other person for their good is not the point. It, it's somehow... Benefit to self at the bottom, even though it's kind words about someone else. So in sinful flattery, pleasant words are a way to, you know, mislead or manipulate another person to get something from them, even if it's something small. Uh, you know, parents can do this with their praise. They, they can try and say nice things from, to their kid to try and manipulate them to secure their affection or obedience or something. Uh, here, here's a verse that talks about um, this idea. It doesn't use the word flattery, but Galatians 4.17, uh, about how false teachers were flatterings for self-seeking purposes. Paul said, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. That They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. So, so it's, it's a very pernicious thing, flattery. Because to speak words of praise, not to say nice things to others, makes it appear you really care about them. But the thing about flattery is, is that you use those words with, with a self-centered 
core. It, it's not aiming at their interest. It's, it, it's, there's some selfish motive. And, and Proverbs 26:28 makes it plain that flattery does not come from a heart of love. It's a veneer of love, but it's not a heart of love that seeks their good. Proverbs 26:28 says, a lying tongue hates its victims and a flattering mouth works ruin. So the root sin here is the opposite of love which is self-interest to, to the exclusion of the interest of others and, and perhaps even to the harm of others. Uh, Romans sixteen eighteen again, the, the peop, uh, persons who do not serve our Lord Christ, but they serve their own appetites. How do they do How do they serve their own appetites? By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive you, you can flatter others to deceive people because that's a way to take advantage of the naive to serve their own appetites, to gain something they're sinfully craving. Okay, I, I, hope, I hope that's clear. Now that, so that, that's one of the heart sins that can lead to, to flattery. Another root sin that feeds flattery is... All right, now, this is a little embarrassing for me right here. Who can tell me what's wrong with the word on the screen? <laughs> Just say partiality. Impartiality is not a sin. Impartiality is good. Okay, partiality is what it should say. Partiality is a sin. Impartiality is godly. Is everyone clear about that? I don't want anyone to leave confused about that. Uh, this Back to Job 31, when he talks about um, how he's not a flatterer. Verse, Job 31, 20, 21 says, 32, 21 says, I will not show partiality to any man or use flattery toward any person. They, they connect the two. I do not know how to flatter, else my maker would soon take me away. So flattery is one of the chief tools of, of partiality. And really, th- this is, could probably be subsumed under the last point, that Uh, partiality is connected to self-seeking. Why would you be partial in a sinful way to some people more than others? Because of how those people might be able to benefit you. So flatterers will will be partial with respect to who they flatter because of the self-seeking heart of flattery. They'll especially flatter those they they think can serve them in some way. Um, The rich, the influential, the cool... Whatever, the people who can vote for them. All right. Um, now, also, one more root sin. Scripture helps us to see underneath flatteries. Pride and self-trust. Pride and self-trust. So, so I think you're still in Psalms. Turn back to Psalm 12. And while you do that, can you turn in your Bible and listen at the same time? Think about something different. That would actually be hard for me. So maybe I should. I'll wait for you to get to Psalm 12. Then I'm going to talk about Thessalonians. And then, and then I'm going with you to the Psalms. Okay. All right. Again, Paul's, Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians 2. He said, we never came with words of flattery, nor with a pretext for greed, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others. So, so the relation of flattery and greed is revealing the relation of flattery and and glory seeking or just affirmation from people, fear of man kind of stuff it is, is also revealing. It, it, it's a pride. 
Now, here are more ways it can be a manifestation of pride. It can be a form of of boasting and self-trust. Here's Psalm 12. This is amazing. Psalm 12. Look at verse 2 of Psalm 12. Psalm 12, V2. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are with us. Who is master over us? So, so that verse says, if we look carefully behind flattering lips, we're likely to find a boastful tongue. And we're likely to find a person who is trusting in the power of their tongue to prevail in any situation or some situations. Understand this, okay? So a person given to flattery likely is, is proudly trusting in their own ability to spin words or craft compliments or heap on the praise, maybe to get out of trouble or, or to get ahead in, in some way. See that? Instead of doing things God's way, speaking honestly and, and for the sake of love and, and thereby trusting in God to bring about ultimate good in some situation or relationship, a flatterer is trusting in his own ability essentially to control people in situations by means of his own um, ingenuity in uh, ear tickling. All right, that's root sins that feed flattery. Any questions about about this? Is it clear? Not if it makes sense. Up and down anyway, not up and down. Okay. All right, how to address flattery and counseling. Well, first, just do what we have just did together. Expose what flattery really is according to the Bible. Show its connection to other sins. Show the strong displeasure of God that is expressed in Scripture toward this sin. You know, show people flattery is lying. When that first dawned on me, I mean, that was enough to hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, wow, that is clarifying and convicting. So so either lying words or lying intent. People need to understand how flattery opposes true love and true humility. And and that leads to the next point, uh, how to address flattery. Aim at, as always, the heart. Uh, you know, Proverbs 4.24, keep your heart with all diligence. Out of it flows the issues of life, the springs of life. Psalm 36 uh, is one that we've read. It talks about flattery. The beginning says, transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for he flatters himself in his own eyes. You, you've got to aim at the heart. So that means we need to work against all those root sins we just said. Self-seeking, self-promotion, pride, and man-pleasing. We, we, and, and to undercut self-seeking and self-promotion, a, a flatterer needs to cultivate a desire to please and glorify God instead of self. And a God-centered love for others, the opposite of using others for self-centered benefit. 
that, you know, that sounds so extreme, like using others for self-centered benefit. Like surely only the, you know, top 25 moral monsters on the planet do that. We are all tempted to do that in, in greater or lesser ways. I mean, this is what I want to, like every time I teach youth Sunday school, that's what I want to talk about. In your relationships with other people, think about how you can love and bless them instead of how relating to them might benefit you. That's called love, and it's the essence of godliness. Off my soapbox there. Um, also next, communi- cultivate true humility and, and trust in God. The Bible is so amazing. The, you know, what, what flattery looks like on the surface, like maybe being inappropriately nice to other people, you know, who would have thought that the underbelly of that is, is actually a pride thing or, or a self-seeking thing? It is, it's amazing. And, and you know what? Um, This, this right here, you, you could scratch out flattery and, and put any counseling issue right here. How to address blank in counseling, aim at the heart. In what ways? Work against living for self, cultivate a desire to please and glorify God, a God-centered love for others, true humility. It really does always come down to, to these same things. It really does. This is part of understanding how the scripture is sufficient because the scripture helps you to trace all of these various problems, no matter how weird or varied they are, down to the same common root heart themes. Next, teach how to give honest, edifying encouragement instead of flattery. So this is a put on that directly opposes flattery. What, what is the righteous way? To say nice things. To, to, to offer words of praise. It's godly, edifying, honest encouragement. It, it must be honest. Remember, that's the heart. It, it, it can't be words that aren't true. And that includes what we're all tempted to do. Untrue exaggerations. Right? Now, also, these words must, must come from a sincere heart. Delivered truly from... The overflow of a heart that is, at some level, delighting in the good that it's speaking about. That's the, that's the goal. Have your, have your heart match your mouth. And, and this encouragement is, is to come not just from a sincere heart. It's to have as its goal the edification of the other. The intent to bless the other. Not to, to serve the self. And Ephesians 4.29 is the great... Um, rule of speech and that 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 lays down this rule it says let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear that should be what the heart sincerely wants and is aiming for with our words of affirmation and praise and encouragement next identify and teach other righteous alternatives or put-ons that directly oppose flattery. So I put I put Second Corinthians twelve nineteen. This this um, this is illustrative. 
In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul throughout is defending his, his ministry. So it seems like in, in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul is flattering himself, you know, defending him, himself. But he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 19, here, here's why I'm defending my ministry. He says, have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ and all for your upbuilding, beloved. When, when, if I'm going to use words that praise you, I'm going to do that for your upbuilding. And if I am, am going, if I think I need to use words that defend myself in conversation with you, it's going to be from that same heart insofar as that would build up you and bless you and, and help you. All right, here's, here's another. This, this one takes less explaining. It's right on the surface. Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Eventually, people, I mean, unless you're just really have given your heart over to like narcissism, People don't seek out the counsel of, of flatterers. People, why, why is that? Because you can't, it's like, well, I can't trust flatterers to tell me the truth because flattery is a form of dishonesty. Okay? Whoever rebukes a man will find more favor afterward, it says, than he who flatters with the mouth. So, so here's another righteous alternative. Learn how to, how to, to righteously offer rebukes. And here, here's one other one I didn't, put on there but you can write down this reference again we we saw it earlier in the notes but it fits here too psalm 55 21 psalm 55 21 there it that was the verse that said his speech was smooth as butter it was good flattery yet war was in his heart so as opposed to using flattery to like poorly manage conflict relational war you can try and paper over that war by, by just word, insincere words of flattery. Instead of that, teach righteous you know, conflict resolution. What? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yes, there you go. If he's the father of lies, yeah. He does flatter, doesn't he? Yes, yes. Yeah, good insight. Can anyone, I, th- I think we have time to do this. Can, can anyone think of, I mean, has it already come to mind, maybe other righteous alternatives, other put-ons that directly oppose the sin of flattery? Anyone think of any others for the benefit of everyone else they could share out loud? Righteous yeah, righteous rebuke. It's good. What was that? I heard another. Yes, that edifies. Yes, yes. And, and learn to rebuke for the same, it's for the same heart to give a righteous rebuke comes from the same heart that would give righteous words of praise and righteous defense of self, which, which as Paul said, is sometimes appropriate. That is, it's for the purpose of building up the other in love. It really is for their benefit because you care about them. Good. Any, any others you can think of? Yes. I have never had that happen to me. 
Yes. That's right. It. Right. So, yes. So basically, I'm. What comes to light is that there's a serious problem with lying, that is pervasive. Yeah. No one has ever said on their, you know, in counseling intake form, "I've got a problem with flattery. Please help me." But I, I see an issue. There, we need to work on lying directly. That's kind of a root of several things that's going on. And then, and then. Maybe as I hear how some of their lying is bringing harm to others and harming their relationships, I can say, you know what? I know what is one of the kinds of lying that's bringing harm and destruction in your, around you. It's flattery. And sometimes I can tell that they're flattering me. Not because they're saying nice things to me, but like the volume of the nice things they say and the exaggeration of the nice things they say, you know. I totally believe you. I totally believe you. Amount. Not loudness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Volume. Although that would weird me out too. I might, yeah, want to address that. If, uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, you'll be my example next time I teach this, yeah. You only need to hear a lecture on this once every, like, 15 years or something. So if I dust these out in 15 years, I'll try and remember. Yes. One of the things that I thought of is if you have addressed this with the person, yes. Yes. This is, this, yes, that is very good. Yeah, that's good. And, and um, you could have been someone I planted in the crowd to say that <laughs> because that's a segue to I'm going to skip ahead right here. Uh, one practical tool, the honesty journal. And I think in your notes, I say, see back of your notes. And I don't know if it's back there, though. Is it the administrative staff here? They are good. All right, because I sent that in at the last minute saying I forgot to include this. So look at this honesty journal. And, and this, I wouldn't just ask people to do this with flattery. If they've got a problem with flattery, they've almost certainly got a problem with other kinds of dishonesty too. But say, okay, let's to, to log this and say, let's have a date, put, put the time. Um, you know, uh, someone else in their life, maybe who lives close to them, a spouse or a family member who's been negatively affected by repeated lies, they might help them and say, you should probably fill out an honesty journal about this. And how were you dishonest? What happened? Why were you dishonest? That should be number two. Why were you dishonest? What? So get at the heart. What were you trusting in or what were you wanting to gain or avoid by being dishonest in this way? Number three, what should you have been wanting most or trusting instead? So, so here's, now we're coming back. We went, what happened? Went down to the heart, why? Now we're coming back, put on the new why. What should you have been wanting most and trusting instead? Number four, 
what would have been the or a righteous alternative to your dishonesty in that moment? Five, what does God want you to do about this instance of dishonesty now? And, and just having people do that, yeah, it, it trains them even just to give them practical ideas. Like this is something true you could have said. But, but it also helps them just to examine themselves and see what, what, what are the prevailing roots that might especially tempt them to, to do this. Now, one back of the honesty journal. Teach them to watch for and put off all manner of hypocrisy or double-mindedness, including in their worship. Just, just try and be on the lookout for and putting off all manner of hypocrisy. Don't just clean the outside of the cup. Live watching over your heart before God. And here's one, two, three, four, five. How to avoid flattery as a counselor. And many of these things could also go up in the previous section, how to address flattery and counseling as others. I'm going through this because we said at the beginning, right, um, Flattery can be a temptation as you're ministering to others. Trust God, not your tongue. Your ability to give good counsel or to speak acceptable words. Remember Psalm 12. The the flattering lip says, with our tongue we will prevail. The words you say are, are, you know, how you spin it, how you can make it the most acceptable to them. That's not going to make the difference in their life. Trust the living God. Next, crucify the fear of man and cultivate genuine love for your counselees. And those two things go together. The, the fear of man is, is uh, being too preoccupied with what they think of you instead of what should preoccupy your heart, what is good for them. That's genuine love. Uh, Matthew 22, the Pharisees sent their disciples to Jesus and they said, teacher, we know you are true. And you teach the way of God truthfully. And you do not care about anyone's opinions. (laughs) For you are not swayed by appearances. You are impartial. And actually the wider context shows that that's true. What the, what the Pharisees are saying, but it's actually flattery because what's their intent. They're saying that they're not like praising him. They're trying to ensnare him in his words. All right. But also first Thessalonians two, four. Uh, we never came with words of flattery. That's two five two four says we speak not to please man, but to please God. Next, aim for honest speech that edifies and gives grace to your hearers. And here's one specific application of that, especially for counselors. Oh, that's not what I thought was coming next. Okay, well this is good too. Give honest, loving, not self-seeking, God-centered encouragements. Uh, there was a, a book called Practicing Affirmation. I think it's still out there by a guy named Sam Crabtree. But when I looked for it recently, I couldn't find it. But he basically saying, how can we give God, how, how can we praise others in a way that's not, that doesn't foster idolatry? How can we give God-centered praise of others? Um, it's a good thing to, to think about. Remember, flattery is not love. A lying tongue hates its victims. Okay, here's the one I was thinking of. Give hope from the scriptures. When you think, you're thinking, I'm a biblical counselor. In Granberry, they tell me I need to give hope. 
if, if you're thinking about hope wrongly, you might think, I need to give someone hope. I need to just find something nice to say to them about them. Even if I can't think of something like super true right now, I'll just make something up to give them hope because I need to do that. They don't, you, other people, the hope they need is not dishonest words about how good they are. They need the true words of God about how good he is and how gracious he is and how sufficient the salvation he provides in Christ is. And Romans 15, 4 says, whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through Endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. This, this was an important verse for me and helping to train me as a biblical counselor. The man who supervised me, Keith Palmer, the honorable Keith Palmer, uh, t- pointed me to this verse because I was, you know, I, I felt like I wasn't, I didn't really know where to turn to give people hope. And he said, according to this verse, I th- he said something like this. According to this verse, you can use any verse in the scripture to give someone hope. Whatever was written is, was, was written that through the comfort and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Well, you can do that by showing how the, the scriptures point to how good God is and how sufficient his, his word is and apply that to their situation. So that the hope that they leave with is hope in God and the truth about him next give honest loving rebukes we're tempted as counselors we want the other we want the people that we're counseling to like us to some degree you should if if you're like I don't care if that person likes me there's that's wrong okay (laughs) we you should want to gain their trust you should want them to think wow this person cares about me I, I would like to listen to what they say from the Bible, okay? But, but remember that, that God's way is the way to go for the kind of favor that you may gain in the eyes of someone else. And God's word says that, that the one who rebukes will afterward find more favor than the one who flatters with their tongue. If you give a gentle, godly rebuke that, it, that is a word in season, that, that sets you up to be able to give more counsel later to, to a heart that is truly good soil for the word of God. Remember, flattery works ruin. Okay, beware of overcorrecting from flattery and adopting sincere but sinful speech. You know, some people are more prone to this to others. Say like, I, I hate hypocrisy. I hate uh, dishonesty. I hate being fake. So if there's something dirty in my heart, it is coming out of my mouth. Don't do that. That's not righteousness. Proverbs 10:19 says, whoever, rest, uh, whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Whoever, uh, 12, 27, whoever restrains his words have knowledge. And again, Ephesians 4:29, this great plumb line for our speech. What should come out of our mouth only? What gives grace to the hearer? What's good for building others up as fits the occasion? Next, beware of those who want to who want you to flatter them. And and some will, right? Um, Psalm 36, you remember that? The person who flatters himself so that his sin may not be found out and hated. 2 Timothy 4 says people are looking for teachers. People are looking for counselors that will uh, tickle their ear and tell them what they want. Um. It, from what from what side the 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 counselee seeking that or they're doing, they're doing over the top for you to get you to 
Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's connected to this next point. Beware of those who flatter you. Because flat, flattery is dishonest. It's, it's calculated. It, if it's flattery, it's not for the purpose of really blessing you. It's, it's to spread a net so that you will deliver some benefit to them. And sometimes it's, I want, I want flattery back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the pastor that I worked under for five years, many, many of you know him. He taught here for a long time, Dan Kirk. Um, who's had to stop teaching because uh, he has early onset Alzheimer's. Uh, very, very tragic. But I remember him warning me one of my early years. He said, watch out for people who are over the top and flattering you. And, uh, and what he said was um, because the, those might be the people later. This was just anecdotal, his experience. Those might be the people later who attack you the hardest. And... and because again, what what is what is flattery? It, it's not coming from the it, it's coming from a self-seeking heart. Okay, finally, follow Paul's example. First Timothy two. Turn with our last five minutes. Turn to First Thessalonians two. We I have quoted this many many times. This is the passage where Paul is talking about his ministry to the Thessalonians. He says, we didn't come with words of flattery. So I want you to see what did he come with instead? What kind of words did he use? What were the motives of his heart? We've talked about some of these, but this is just a good summary wrap up. Exhortation for all of us of how we can avoid flattery in counseling. What we aim for instead. One. Make it your aim to please God and not please man, to glorify God, not glorify self in your ministry. Remember, God tests the heart behind the words you use while you minister to others. So now look at 1 Thessalonians 2, 3 and following and and see those ideas and how they're related. 2, 3. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery. As you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Because God can see God tests my heart behind the words I use when I minister to you. Verse 6, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you, from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Make it your aim to please God. Glorify God in your ministry. Remember, he tests the heart. Next, cultivate heartfelt love and affection for those you minister to. And, And remember how that was directly opposed to the heart that leads to flattery. And you're going to see... That this, that this heart of love that opposes flattery leads to speech that is bold and gentle, that encourages and exhorts. So, so let's start. Uh, I'm going to pick up in verse 7. He said, we don't come with words of flattery. We don't seek glory from people. Now, verse 7, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you would become very dear 
to us. I, I'm not here with words of flattery. I'm not trying to get anything from you. I'm trying to give myself to you because I love you. I have real godly affection for you. I want to help you. And that led, that led to gentleness, caring, counsel, encouraging. It also led to these bold exhortations that we read about in verse 11. Look down in verse 11. For you know... How, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And now now the next verse leads us to this next point. Maintain confidence in the power of God's word. Paul didn't, he didn't feel the need to trust in his own tongue and to resort to things like flattery, to help people because he trusted God's word would do the good work in God's people. Verse 13, we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. If you, you know, Plant the flag of your trust there. The word of God is at work in believers. Then that's what you're going to resort to giving to people, the words of God, instead of trying to change them by some other self-trusting means like flattery, some other such thing. Two twenty nine. Any questions, comments? Yes. 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 Right. Yes. Perhaps. And that's a good point. Some people who are effusive in their praise, remember, God tests the hearts. We don't test the heart. You can't see what someone's intent or motive is. But but someone, you know, could use the, how effusive in praise they are. It, it could still be inappropriate in the sense of being dishonest or not edifying, even if it's not coming from a heart that is, you know, self-seeking. And so, um, you know, you you may address that just as like a Christian friend, like, you know, they probably aren't even aware of it. But, but there's also a spectrum, you know, be careful what seems like over the top to you. Is that just because you're not, <laughs> you're like emotionally a kind of, not anywhere close to over the top kind of person? You know, God made us differently. And so we definitely, we, you know, we'd be charitable and gracious with each other. Yeah. You know, maybe one sign would be if it, um, is it sinful flattery? Look, what are the fruits that it's leading to? Is it, is it bringing harm? to others, to relationships? Do you see it as connected to some other things like a, a self-trust or a, a self-promotion or, or an inappropriate like fear of man, trust in others thing? So that's a very good question. All right, I'm going to let you go so you can eat, but if you